Thank you, church, for the honor of the day. Uh, it's a blessing to be your pastor. You are, I love you all. I appreciate all that you've done for us over these many years. I'm so thankful Brother Bolin is able to be here with us today and uh, preach for us. Enjoyed his message uh, so much. It's a blessing to hear him preach again. Um, it's just been a been a good day in the Lord. So thankful to see each one, all the family members that was able to come out and be with us today. That's that's a blessing to see uh, all that was out. Um, got many on our prayer list, and I won't read over the list this afternoon. But do remember all of those uh, that we have on our list, especially be in prayer for Lori's family and the passing of Brother Mark. Um, uh, Brother Mark uh, was a faithful warrior for the Lord and uh, was was loved by a lot of people and helped a lot of people over the years uh, the the man is absolutely adored in the Philippines uh, brother brother Mark helped to establish a, a few different churches there in the Philippines and uh, they've got a lot of respect for him there especially and uh, of course all over West Virginia uh, people know him everywhere uh, there, Brother Mark had a big influence with the paper, The Voice in the Wilderness, that he just recently gave up. Um, and uh, Brother Matt Stett took over the uh, publishership of that. And, and Brother Mark said that was the thing he was worried about. All these years, uh, being that, that publisher and editor of that paper, he just wanted to see it go on and, and knew he couldn't do it any longer. And, and Brother Matt took it up, and, and that was a big relief on... Brother Mark's mind um, in these last days of his life that uh, that that paper would continue on and and so just just continue to be in prayer for uh, his family of course and, uh, his wife Marlene her children grandchildren great grandchildren um, but especially remember them be in prayer for all of these others that we have on our prayer list uh, many that are afflicted many that are sick. Uh, even of our own church family, we've got many that are out from us because of, of these different ailments and different sicknesses, especially Brother Frank and uh, Brother Robert and Sister Jean. Um, so thankful to have Sister Martha here uh, today, this morning, and uh, thankful she's uh, moved back home, but at the same time worried about her moving back home. Uh, so just continue to be in prayer for her. Um, as uh, she takes this step again, trying to uh, uh, have her freedom, uh, but just just continue to lift her up in prayer. So we have several to pray for and pray about. Several things. Um, we, we got uh, all of these are sick, but Mark, they're going to be traveling next couple of weekends, going to on a cruise, uh, riding on a big boat. Is that right? And uh, so be in prayer for them as they. And y'all taking everybody with you too, ain't you? Your family, not all of us, but just family. <laughs> we'll go too if you've got, if you've got room. Uh, but be in prayer for them as they're traveling. Um, are there any others that we need to remember? Uh, let's go to the Lord in word of prayer. Ask His blessings again on our church today. Our Father in heaven, we thank you again for this day. We thank you, Father, for your great grace. Thank you that you've allowed us this another time that we can come into your house. Father, we're so thankful for each one that's made it this way today, for this time together, time of fellowship. 
Father, we just pray that you bless our many prayer requests that we brought before you. Pray your blessing and help in each one of them. Father, you know exactly what is needed uh, in all of uh, these situations, and especially remembering those have lost loved ones even now, Brother Minnie's family. We just pray, Father, your grace on them now, strengthening them. And Father, we pray that you'd open your word before us as we study today. Pray that you'd help us, that we would understand these things that are set before us. We might rejoice, Father, in your word and what you've prepared for us. And Father, we look forward to uh, the culmination of these events that we've been studying about. And eschatology, Father, knowing your promises, knowing you're faithful. Father, to keep those things that you've promised and do those things exactly as you've set forth for us in your word. We look forward, Father, to these times as you bring these things to pass. Uh, for uh, your glory and for your honor. And Father, we just pray that you'd help us, that we might have some grasp, some understanding of these things, that we might glorify you all the more as we worship together this day. Father, go with us now, we pray. We ask these things in Jesus' name and for His sake. Amen. Now, we've been studying concerning eschatology. We've been looking at our, at our theology. And we're, we come uh, last, well, Wednesday, we were looking at the millennial reign of our Lord and exactly what the Scripture says concerning it there in Revelation 20, uh, particularly as we were looking at it and, and some other verses that speak to that. And as we continue on with the thought of the millennial reign, we're going to be looking this afternoon at the government of the millennium and what the Scripture describes for us concerning our Lord's rule uh, during that time. Turn with me to Philippians chapter 2, and we'll begin in verse number 9, verse 9 down through verse number 11 here, as Paul describes for us the exaltation of our Lord, and him, Him in this position, Him taking his throne and what is described here uh, concerning the government of the millennial reign of our Lord. Philippians chapter 2, verse number 9, Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Romans chapter 14, verse number 11. Paul says again here in this passage, Romans 14, verse number 11. Paul says, For it is written, As I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. We were looking at the millennial reign of our Lord on Wednesday. Uh, We were talking about uh, there what is described for us in that particularly in the passage there in in Revelation chapter 20 as it's describing 
uh, the thousand year period, we understand the millennial reign of the Lord. He takes His throne there in Revelation 19. It's described there of Him coming to the earth physically at that point, actually setting foot upon the earth at the end of the tribulation period. The Scriptures tell us in the book of Zechariah, He will set foot upon the Mount of Olives. That will be the place where He will set down, if you will. And that mountain, the Bible tells us, will split in twain when He stands there upon it. He'll destroy the armies of Antichrist there. Antichrist, false prophet, will receive their their judgment at that point. There will be a a binding of Satan that will take place that we looked at on Wednesday. Uh, Satan is not bound now. There are those that are telling us that he is. And we can see his influence all around us. He is not bound at this time. Uh, He is, as the Bible describes for us, uh, going about this earth. And uh, as he said concerning in the book of Job, walking in to and fro upon it, he said. And in, in the book of Peter, he tells us that he is a roaring lion that's lying in wait, seeking whom he may devour. That is his purpose. That's what he is not bound now. His only only sense in which he is bound right now is bound by the sovereignty of God. He cannot go above what God allows, but he is not bound as is described in Revelation chapter 20 when there will be a great chain put upon him and he will be put into the bottomless pit and and this is done for a thousand years. When Christ takes his reign, It does not end at the end of that thousand years. His reign goes on, you see. The thousand years is only marked off for God to finish the judgments. It is those judgments that are described there in the Revelation chapter number 20. It is those judgments that are described that will come at the end of that thousand years When those judgments are done, Christ still reigns. His reign does not end. It's just marked off this thousand year, this millennial reign that we are describing is just for the purpose of bringing to pass those judgments. Once those judgments are done, as is described there, and we move on into the eternal ages, Christ Jesus is still reigning. There's no giving up of His throne. So once he takes it there in Revelation chapter 19, when it's describing his coming and he takes that throne, there is no giving up, no stepping aside, no laying aside his diadem any longer, that he takes his throne physically and he keeps it, you see. It is an eternal reign of our Lord. It is only marked off again that he can finish those judgments. And so we look concerning what the government of the millennium is, as we see here in the Scriptures described for us. The the government of the millennium is unlike all other human or earthly governments that have ever been. Uh, Man has democracies, we have aristocracies, we have dictatorships, we have socialist governments, we, we come up with all kinds of crazy ways for man to rule. But the kingdom of Christ 
It will be a theocratic government. It is ruled by God. Christ Jesus, the Creator, will have supreme rule over all the nations of the earth. And when this comes to pass, the request of our Lord given in the model prayer is fulfilled. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. We'll see it. We'll see it before our very eyes. Man will never be, uh, uh, never again be permitted to exalt themselves to governmental positions of authority uh, because man's lofty looks will be humbled. Christ Jesus will be King and He will reign supremely. In Isaiah chapter number 2, Isaiah chapter number 2 and verse number 11. Isaiah chapter 2, verse 11. Isaiah writes here, says, The lofty looks of man shall be humbled, and the haughtiness of men shall be bowed down. And the Lord alone shall be exalted in that day. The Lord alone shall be exalted in that day. He will rule supremely on this earth, physically, in the presence of all of the creation. Zechariah chapter 14 and verse number 9. Zechariah 14 and verse number 9. Zechariah writes here, And the Lord shall be king over all the earth. In that day shall there be one Lord and His name one. The Lord shall be king over all the earth. Psalm chapter 47. Psalm 47. Verse number 2 down through verse number 4, and then again in verse number 7, Psalm 47, beginning in verse 2. Psalm 47, verse 2. For the Lord Most High is terrible. He is a great King over all the earth. He shall subdue the people under us and the nations under our feet. He shall choose our inheritance for us, the excellency of Jacob, whom He loved, Selah. Then notice verse 7. For God is the King of all the earth. Sing ye praises with understanding. We see here the universal reign of our Lord here in His earthly reign. He will reign over all the earth. It all belongs to Him. Now, as we've already stated, He's already ruling and reigning over it now. But this will be a physical reign. 
This will be a this will be something that has not been seen before by man as, as our Lord will take his throne upon this earth and will physically reign on this earth. Psalm 72, verse number 7, down through verse number 9. Psalm 72, verse number 7. It says, In His days shall the righteous flourish, and abundance of peace so long as the moon endureth. He shall have dominion also from sea to sea, and from the river unto the ends of the earth. They that dwell in the wilderness shall bow before Him, and His enemies shall lick the dust. Verse 11, He says, Yea, all kings shall fall down before Him. All nations shall serve Him. Then verse number 17, His name shall endure forever. His name shall be continued as long as the sun and men shall be blessed in Him. All nations shall call Him blessed. All nations shall call Him blessed. That's not the case today. That's not. He's ruling and reigning. Even now, He reigns. All of creation is in His hands. But not all nations call Him blessed. In this time, when He reigns, they will all declare Him King. They'll all bow before Him. They will all acknowledge His blessedness. Daniel chapter number 2. Daniel chapter number 2, verse number 35. Now, this is the king's dream. And he dreams of this great idol and starts out with the head of gold and goes all the way down to the, to the, the feet, the toes of, of iron and clay. And he, of course, his wise men could not answer what, what his dream was, nor could they tell him what the dream was. Daniel told him what the dream was and gave him the interpretation of it. And it says here in verse number 35, as it is describing this vision, these different parts, or these different different types of material that this thing is built out of, or made out of, Daniel describes it that these are the different kingdoms that would follow, or Nebuchadnezzar being the first, and those, those great world empires that would follow after him. And he says there, verse 35, it says, Then was the iron, the clay, the brass, the silver, and the gold broken to pieces together. How were they broken? Go back up to verse number 34. Thou sawest, he said, till that a stone was cut out without hands, which smote the image upon his feet that were of iron and clay, and break them to pieces. So he sees this great, 
this great image of, of this man there with the head of gold and the, the body of silver and the legs of brass and then the iron and clay there in the, the feet and the toes and all of these kingdoms that are represented there in that, that idol that he's seeing. And suddenly this stone that is, that is not cut by hands, this stone comes forth and, and crashes down here upon this image and breaks it in pieces. It says, verse 35 again, it says, Then was the iron, the clay, the brass, the silver, and the gold broken to pieces together and became like the chaff of the summer threshing floors. And the wind carried them away that no place was found for them. And the stone that smote the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. Well, Daniel goes on to describe to King Nebuchadnezzar, you're that head of gold. And these are the other empires after you as he describes all these pieces and parts. And he gets down to verse number 44. And he says, in, And in the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. And the kingdom shall not be left to other people, but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. For as much as thou sawest that the stone was cut out of the mountain without hands, and that it break in pieces the iron, the brass, the clay, the silver, and the gold, the great God hath made known to the king what shall come to pass hereafter. And the dream is certain, and the interpretation thereof, sure. That stone is Christ Jesus. And that, that, that which is Christ and His kingdom is that which destroys all those other nations that have come before Him, all those other kingdoms that have come, and His, His kingdom is established, His kingdom is set in place, and His kingdom is sure. It has no end. It is the eternal kingdom of our God. And it fills all the earth. It fills all the earth. The best of men's governments throughout history have been filled with bribery and injustice and dishonesty and greed. And we see it all over our own government today. We see the, 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 the accusations and the, the trials and all the stuff going on in the news. And we see that and we, we shake our heads at it. It makes us angry even when we see it. We, we see that it is rife. Absolutely full of, of wickedness, of robbery, of injustice, of, of, of evil. We see it all throughout it. And the reason we know it's there, we, don't, we, we really don't have to have proof of it. The reason we know it's there is because it's made up of men. And that will always be what it tends toward as long as it's made up of men. That, that, that wickedness will come out. And so we can see it. We, we realize, we know it's there. That's not going to be the case with our Lord's kingdom. 
There will be none of that in His government. There will be no injustice. There will be no bribery. There will be, no, be no dishonesty or no greed. It will be perfect, absolute righteousness and holiness that will mark His reign. That will mark His government. It will be marked by perfect equity, absolute justice, complete righteousness. Isaiah chapter 11 again, verse number 4 and 5. Isaiah chapter 11, verse 4 and 5. But with righteousness, but with righteousness shall he judge the poor and reprove the equity for the meek of the earth. He shall smite the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips shall he slay the wicked and righteousness shall be the girdle of His loins and faithfulness, the girdle of His reins. Absolute righteousness. Absolute faithfulness. Why is the government of righteousness needed during the reign of the righteous King Ruling His righteous people. Why is it necessary that it be declared a righteous kingdom? A righteous rule? Because at the end of the tribulation period, in the division of the nations there that Matthew 25 tells us about, when He divides the sheep from the goats, His people from the people of the world, those sheep will enter into the kingdom of the Lord in their physical bodies. They will not at that point die. They will enter in in their physical bodies into the kingdom of the Lord. And they'll continue on with life. They will have place to eat there of the, the tree of life. They'll continue on in their life. But the problem is they'll still be afflicted during that time with the reality of that old sin nature. Still going to be there. They're going to have children as that thousand years goes on. And of those born, there will be a portion of them and apparently a sizable portion of them that will rebel against the leadership and the rulership of the Lord Jesus. And the Scripture tells us that those that will rebel against Him, 
They will be removed from the city. They'll not have a place to enter in for the worship. They'll not have an audience with the Lord. They will not be able to enter into His presence. They'll be cast out from the city. They will go off into the far reaches of the earth and they will hide themselves there, not having the ability to come in and partake of the tree of life, the Scripture tells us. And so they'll be outcast in this world of this absolutely righteous, holy kingdom. Well, if it's an absolutely righteous, holy kingdom, and they are rebels against it, that tells us who they are. They are wicked, depraved, undone enemies of God that will be born during the time of that thousand year reign and they will hide in those far reaches of the earth. So that the Scripture says when Satan then is loosed, go back to Revelation chapter 20, when Satan is loosed from his prison, that's where he's going to head first. To these rebels. Verse number 7. Revelation chapter 20. And when the thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison and shall go out to deceive the nations nations which are in the four quarters of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle, the number of whom is as the sand of the sea. Oh, oh how powerful. How powerful is the depravity of man? How powerful is the wickedness that's in our hearts that that they can be in the presence of the Lord Jesus in absolute holiness and righteousness And see, even in that, the wonder, the absolute wonder of His reign. And the blessings that unfold on this earth because of His righteous reign. And yet, they would dare rebel against Him. And agree to follow Satan. To make war. With the Christ. How, how powerful. How powerful is that depravity in us. That it would be. Of those that are. Alive living physically in their physical bodies during that thousand year period. That it would be the number of whom is as the sand of the sea. They went up, the Bible tells us in verse number 9, they went up on the breath of the earth and 
compass the camp of the saints about. And the beloved city, fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. At last Satan receives his judgment and is cast into the same place where the Antichrist and false prophet are. I've always... Uh, wondered about them receiving their judgment before their master does. But he, his judgment comes. He's not escaping it. His judgment comes. Another aspect of this millennial government, the ruler rules supreme and he makes his saints kings and rulers with him in the land. Multiple passages uh, declare this reality to us. I'll just read you one. Isaiah 32, verse number, uh, verse number 1 rather. Isaiah 32 and verse 1. He says, Behold, a king shall rule in righteousness, and princes shall rule in judgment. His saints are made not only heirs and joint heirs with Christ Jesus, but He makes us rulers in His kingdom. He gives us those portions of His kingdom. And that's, that is a glorious and grand privilege that our Lord will afford to us to allow us to have part in His reign because none of it is because of us. None of it is because of any great work we have performed. But all that we have, all the blessings that we enjoy, all the rewards even that He gives unto His children, all of them are by His hand. It's by His grace. But it is nonetheless the privilege that our Lord affords to His saints that He allows us to partake of that rulership with Him. This reign of our Lord, as we said, will, be, will begin at the end of the tribulation period, when He will take that throne, as is described for us in Revelation 19 and, and then in chapter 20, as He describes to us there that those six times in those first seven verses, thousand years, thousand years, thousand years. But again, those thousand years, we call that the millennial reign, but I, I want you to be clear and understand that thousand years does not mark the beginning and end of His reign. It simply marks the beginning. The thousand years is marked off for all of these events in chapter 20 to take place. 
That's what goes on at the end of that thousand years. And when that thousand years is finished, these these particular judgments transpire, they take place, His reign continues on. His reign continues on. And so when we speak of Him coming to take His throne, understand it is the eternal throne of our Lord. He does not give it up. He does not lay it aside. He rules and reigns in perfect righteousness and holiness for all eternity. For all eternity. This this government of the millennium of our Lord is unlike any other that this world has ever seen. Perfect. Perfect. Righteous. And holy. Let's all stand. We'll be dismissed.